Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to the Blue Chip Academy podcast, empowering the next generation of leaders by equipping them with a detailed blueprint to success while using sports as our catalyst. We've got a special guest, former PSU Letterman and Director of Football Operations at UConn. Let's welcome Andrew Goodman. Welcome to the Blue Chip Academy, man. Yo, it's great to be here. What's up, Jay King? Happy to have you here, man. My man. Great to see you. No doubt. My man, Goody, man. We worked together at Penn State. Uh, he kind of handled the recruiting from the logistics and all the aspects, from the brains behind the operation. We were there, you know what I'm saying? We were dealing with players and all that good stuff. So we got a great, um, unique uh, perspective on the ecosystem. You know what I mean? Playing at Penn State with us and transitioning out, working in different different positions in the NFL at Princeton and uh, Penn State, Brown, and now at the University of UConn. Uh, University of UConn, is that right? No, it's UConn. <laughs> University of Connecticut. University of Connecticut, man. There we go. There we go. Where, where? I'm not going to ask that. I was going to say where in UConn, where in Connecticut is it? We are like right in the middle. Stores, Connecticut. Stores, Connecticut. Uh, small. Stores, Connecticut. It's a small town, about uh, 30 minutes okay. east of Hartford. Okay, Hartford. About yeah. Of, uh, about like two and a half. The town huh? of Chris Baker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most Throwing definitely. it back. Yeah. I love Connecticut, man. When I was in. Um, I was at the XFL. We, I lived in uh, Stanford, Stanford, and like yeah, right on the border of Greenwich. And I was like, yeah, you're you're a Kinetic guy before yeah, me. I loved it. I mean, it was a great thing. Had oy- some great oysters any any time. Had the beaches, yeah. thirty five minute train ride to Manhattan, Grand Central right Station. You know what I mean? It was, a, yeah. it was a great little thing, man. So let's jump into it. It's like, where's the where, where's the yeah. affinity of the sports business? Like, just talk to me a little bit. You're coming from Philly. So let's talk about the recruiting process a little bit. Like, how was your like how was your experience or just exposure to that process well so this was back in i would say 2007 so it was a way different time um camp the camp circuits wasn't really a thing so getting exposure was tough it was all about you know how your high school head coach who is who's he connected with who can he get you exposure to so me being a late bloomer and playing football my first year varsity was my junior year in 2007. Um, so I'm behind the game. I don't even, I'm so new to it, which I think a lot of people um, can be new to this whole process. So education is huge and I didn't have that education. So, you know, junior year, I'm playing three sports uh, in high school, George Washington, shout out to the Eagles. Uh, Philly ball. So I'm playing three sports. I, I don't know which one I'm going to pick. I don't even think playing uh, at the next level is an option. Which but, sports was it? Uh, ju- uh, basketball, football, and baseball. Three ball sports. Good hand back. Yes, sir. So, yeah, no track, though. I wasn't that fast. Uh, 
So, so senior year comes around. I have a big role on the offense. Uh, we balled out a little bit. We're still running the wing T. I'm playing tight end. I should be, I'm 175. I should be playing receiver, but you know, we were an old school program. We won games doing that way. So, um, you know, I, I kind of, when I got, when my number was called, I kind of dominated, uh, average like 25 yards a catch just, but I had 25 catches. Like it wasn't, so I still, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a breakthrough player or anything like that, but um, I have some small bites, uh, some small schools on the East Coast, and then I have like a opportunity uh, to OV at Lafayette, which is a private school in the um, Patriot League. Uh, they ended up canceling on me uh. Uh, before I before I went on a visit, so I never went on an OV. So. The realities of the recruiting um, process. Mm-hmm. I mean. So I mean. I have some angst against them because of that. I, I haven't forgot, but uh, so at that point, I'm kind of I'm kind of lost. I don't know what I want to do. Uh, I know I want you know Penn State. I had a, my brother, my dad, my aunt. I'm a Penn State family, so I was ready to hang up the cleats and just go there as a student. Um, but that whole time, as I brought up before, my head coach is working in the background, and at the time, we had a major D lineman getting recruited all over. Sharif Floyd ended up being a first round pick uh, to the Vikings. He's at Florida. Now he played at Florida. He's a GA for Spence okay. um, oh, down there. Spence, so man. I think dogs. shout out to Spence. <laughs> so that was kind of my back channel in because they were recruiting him. Penn State was, LJ was recruiting him. Uh, um, okay. My head coach threw my name out there. I had a four Oh, like it, it made sense. I had the ability be a walk-on um so i after basketball practice one day i had a had a um a message on my phone like from ron vanderlin and linebackers coach lbu he's like how would you like to walk on i'm like is this real is this real and and that was the whole process because i didn't know what time of the I'm year like, was yeah, it when you got I, that I, call when he said like you want to walk on yeah this was this was January. This was like towards the end of January. Okay, so you're like, you don't really know what's going on. You're like, man, Lafayette cancels no. on me. And then now now Vandy hits you like, hey, man, you want to walk on that Vandy State? hits me up. I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. I went to the, the blue-white game that April, and I'm on campus that summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess you're right because yeah. you're not really looking forward to like a signing day or anything of that nature because... I don't have a signing day. I'm just going up. Like everything as a walk-on just... And they kind of kept me in the dark. I don't know if it was by design, but I mean, it's kind of tough being a walk-on. You don't know, you don't know when your next meal's coming. You don't know if you're going to get cut the next semester. You don't, you don't know how the roster works. You're you're kind of expendable. They don't have any money tied up in you as a scholarship. So, you know, with that same mindset, I always tell myself, get good grades. Like, find value. How can you bring value to the team? Whether it's boosting your GPA, like giving the defense a good look, like you got to find your value. You can't give them a reason to uh, hold anything against you. You just got to be continue to be positive, bring the best out of everybody around you. So that was kind of the mindset I had. So, yeah, you jumped into it because, like, I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, you had the mentality of, a, of an NFL player, to be completely honest. Like, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I might get cut. Like, I need to bring value. And that's, like, you entered that 18, 17 years old, getting into college, Cause I think a, p- a lot of people see walk-ons, whether they're afraid of taking that route of being a walk-on or um, not really understanding that you can make something 
happen as a walk on or even how to approach it. But it's there's some real life difficulties when you're going through it because the reality of being a walk on hits you in the face when you get to school, right? Like when you're going through that oh. whole process and. Well, every single day. I mean, my first summer, I'm at the 6 a.m. workouts with everybody. Like, it was funny. Like, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody on the team. I come in there. I'm looking at the biggest dudes I've ever seen. I see Daryl Clark. He's stretching. I had no, I had no idea what position. I thought he played D line. I would have He's thought he played quarterback. outside linebacker. I know. Shout out D Clark. Bro, I was shell shocked. I was shell shocked. Um, so I'm, I'm doing summer workouts for six weeks camp's coming up next i don't know if i'm going to camp and then they basically no i'm not going to camp and then i go home for a couple weeks come back in this in the in the fall like that's just how it works like i don't know if i'm having a locker there like i just kept you got to stay hungry just you you take what's what what they're gonna give you that's just was no communication i mean and that's exactly how it kind of operates even working on the other side because like everyone's yeah. Paying attention to the the scholarship players, and and I don't mm-hmm. think the scholarship players know exactly what the walkers are going through. Like, do you, like do you, like the other players no. when you were like leaving, like they say, "Hey, where were you? Like, why weren't you in camp? Like, did you get any of those questions when you got back?" Yeah, they pro- yeah they put it on me. I'm like because I wasn't invited, like I wasn't in the 105. Like that's just how it goes. But I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow. Just for the listeners, the um, 105 is you can take 105 players to camp. I know everyone thinks that in college, everybody there's a, a million people in the field, but there's only a 105 limit to get into camp. So that's 85 plus. What was that? Another 30 guys, or 20? I mean, yeah, I think nowadays guys. you can really bring in whoever you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. To it's, camp. It's, so there's no there's they no max. back then. There's no max, but back then there was 105. So 85 scholarships. That's, that's 20 walk on. So. Yeah. I was not in that twenty freshman year. Was that that, would that became a goal after that? Like, man, I, I'm going to camp from here. Yeah, on. yeah, that burned me. It's like you work your your tail off all year, and like that's the season. August, like it's camp time. I want to be there. I want to be in that. I think more scholarship players should know what walk ones go through just to understand essentially what. I mean, how it can be, right? How it can go for certain players. Because sometimes, I mean, the scholarship route, there's different opportunities afforded to you. You mm-hmm. know, you're being showered with attention. Sometimes you get hit with the reality of like, oh, I'm not as valuable as they said I was. But you're coming in with that mentality. It's like, I have to provide value. I got to stay here. I got to make the they most They don't value of it. anything. Yeah. and it's. I think, it, you you know, scholarship players, they're, they will gain such a great perspective from hearing the point of view of a walk on like you know and we couldn't even eat with the team at that time too now everybody eats at training table we couldn't eat you know coach paterno and penn state they did do a good job of keeping us in the same locker room like these are these are basic uh, uh expectations these days but back then like that was i heard that was kind of rare to integrate the walk-ons with the rest well, of the team we got to penn state remember we, didn't, we weren't even together with the rest of the team like there was like the freshman locker room up back in the corner like so we, oh, yeah, we, we, so we had the block like we were just like over in the call it the little yeah. the little uh the projects back there when everybody was coming in you had every, all <laughs> yep. the old guys wiping the dirt off like yo man what's up with this yep that my locker was right next to the door my first locker no that's like that's true man because huh it's humble though, humble beginnings. Like you, you, you pointed out something yeah. the same thing. Like Dion Butler said the same thing. So did uh, Jordan Norwood, and it's like 
it, it showed that guys coming in, and it's funny that you say that because even Paul, Paul Pazlesny, he said the same thing in terms of taking advantage of all the, all the opportunities that were coming in, but it's more about the perspective of, I need to take advantage of this or this place is going to give me something. And it's like really having that mutual respect of where you're going into because it's a business. Like, and sometimes a lot of players that are going through this process, like, oh, they love me. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this because the fans and I got to. And it's like, really, it's a business relationship. Like, you provide value and they provide value, right? And like, obviously, now that you can get NIL money and different things of that nature, um, it's pretty important to make sure that you're making the right decisions when you get there. Were you considering any other schools? Or did any other schools come in to, to ask you to walk on? Not at that time. No. No, I was I was ready. I was not going to play. Like, who knows what my life would have been? Like, now that I'm still, I've been in the industry like nine years now. Like, who knows where I'd be if I didn't have that opportunity at Penn State uh, to play? I love it. The whole trajectory of everything. Yeah, we w- we might not be talking no, right that's now. That's true, man. Using sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. Because, no like, doubt. Like you started off in high school. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people that you kind of came up with and through your recruiting class. And I don't know what they're doing, but not a, you know, a, a DFO at a um, Division One program right now. And not to say that, I mean, how things go, but like when you see the different opportunities that you can maneuver and take advantage of, I mean, it's extremely important. And I think it's good for scholarship athletes to operate in that too but it's it's always interesting to hear the different mentalities of like when you're going through the recruiting process whether you're looking at other people getting offers or how you're coming in versus like being a level of grace a little i mean i say gracious or have some level of gratitude when you get there like oh this is what i need to provide versus this place owes me this or i need that right and like not to be like a no square about it, but like there is definitely that piece because like I had that as a little bit as a scholarship athlete, but it was of course I'm gonna play, and it's like like I'm gonna be. I mean, I was I think I always attributed to being a coach's kid, right? Like when you're growing up, and we like if we lose, I see how it affects my 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 dad, or it's like okay, if I don't do my job, this might happen, or like if we, like so it's like no, this isn't just a one way show. Like no, there's have something to provide here so like even coming in like no i need to provide something like i'm playing both ways my freshman year like i'm just not happy to be here i mean my dad used to say it's so funny i'll tell a quick story it was uh i remember being a kid watching uh uh the, the, the tournament the ncaa tournament um the basketball joint and i think I remember it was the kansas city jayhawks and all the guys were getting hype like jumping around like oh get ready to play and then there was a guy in the back who was just kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wasn't like I'm just like, I'm yeah. just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. And he remember telling me like, yo, just never go anywhere. Just like happy to be there. Like you're there to contribute right. and do everything. So like, that's always been a thing. Like no matter what right. room go in, no matter what meeting it is, it's like not just happy to be here. Like what value are you providing in this situation? Like to make the ball move forward. Right. You, you gotta be where your feet are and you gotta come in like with some humility because once you get on campus, you start from zero. Like, yeah, there might be some expectations. Oh, maybe, you know, the, the coaching staff expects you to play, but it's only an expectation. You have to, to, to work and you have to prove to everybody that you can be trustworthy, reliable, and be productive. You got to come in and earn all that, earn all that and grow. Like, so you didn't really go through anything. Did you know what you wanted to study when you got to Penn State? Cause I mean, you, you said you already no. no. So you just were going and got the business. Call, and that was it business. I just wanted to go to Penn State. My older brother was a senior at the time. I knew I wanted to study business. It was a process elimination. Um, I got into supply chain and logistics, which 
kind of uh, leverage that into into football, and now I'm running the operations, logistics and operations and football, man. That's a good, yeah. I mean, so I love that you said it was the supply chain. So when guys are thinking about different opportunities, man, there's a lot of value um, in supply chain and logistics and all those good things. A lot of great careers out there too, man. Shout out, absolutely that, that good industry. So when you got to Penn State, what was the major like wake up of like, man, this is this is a real business. So. Walking in, that locker room was just different, different. I don't think I've seen a locker room like that. It was uh, A.Q. Shipley, the, the older old linemen. Now, they were like grown-ass men when I was there. I'm like, I didn't know how old they were. Like, I, they were just so mature in, like, the leadership that they showed. Um, you know, I didn't want to walk into the wrong locker room. Locker, I didn't want to. I just minded my own business. Like, it was A.Q., Rich Orenberger. Um, I mean, Daryl Clark had some leadership and then Derek Williams, Dion Butler, Norwood, like those guys were just a class above. I've never seen senior leadership like that. And Sean Lee, um, those guys, they didn't even talk about it, but they were about it. You just felt their presence. Josh Gaines was another one. Um, those guys were really just different. Um, so that, that was a wake up call and just watch, watching the way they worked in the, in the weight room, like, they they went about their business in a way I've never seen. Like they they flipped the switch when you're in the weight room, when they're on the field doing workouts, like they are all business. And it was put up or shut up. Like you gotta match that intensity. And it's interesting because that's the senior group. I mean, that was that was my that's my class. I, that was yeah, you. I left man. I left early, so I actually wasn't there when you guys got that was in the NFL because you know right. Whatever I was like, I'm out of here. But what anyway, but <laughs> but with that being said, I thought I had the same type of mentality when I got there with like Mike Robb and Alan Zemitis and even Puzz and those guys and like the level of leadership that they showed, but they were coming out of a dark age. So like the leadership was there, but there was, there was like anger with the leadership, right? Like there was a little bit of like, this is how we do it. Like we're not messing up this last year. And like the group of guys that you're referring to that kind of knew what it was, like they kind of won the whole, they won the whole time that they were there. And so, like, the last two seasons, I remember, I think there was, like, nine and four, ten and something, but there were some disappointing losses in there, and I remember, like, like it was, like, that last one was, like, look, we got to maximize this season. I, I can only imagine, I'm just thinking of, like, the collective group of guys that were there, because that's the Rose Bowl year, right, 2008? Yeah, it's the Rose Bowl. I got the photo up here in my office. Yeah, Mark Rubin. I'm looking at the, the first line of, of dudes. Scarado, Scott. Lydell, Sargent, Lydell, Lydell. <laughs> Tony Davis, yeah, Ty Sales, yeah, shout out to all those dudes. But, I mean, they, seeing that group, they'll always be impressionable to me because, like, that was the best, uh, that was the best example of senior leadership and locker room um, leadership I've ever seen, I've ever experienced coming into there. Like, you confirmed to those dudes, the coaches – the coaches basically, you know, gave the leadership uh, responsibilities to them. Like, like what the coaches wanted ran through them, and they they embodied the culture. Um, they were culture drivers, like without a doubt. And you follow their lead. That's what it was. I mean, that's the most powerful type of leadership that I've ever seen. And when it's when your players are embodying it, and your seniors are embodying it, like everybody follows in line. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that because like it even shaped how I view different cultures when I got to the NFL or even when I started working mm -hmm. in this sport. 
um, looking at the culture of the team, looking at the personalities of the team, or just going through the process because I, I felt that was something different, like the way that things operated because obviously Joe Paterno was there for a long time, so there was a level of culture that was able to be set, whether it was the type of players that came in, type of mentality that people had. And I always tell people like there's a misconception sometimes about how it was at Penn State just in the sense of, you know, we had to have clean shaved hair and all that. Everything was prop 15 minutes early for everything. But it was within that scope. Like we had, we had dudes, you know what I mean? Like there, there was cast that, you know, it was, it was some, some real cast in that, in the, in the locker room, like the whole time and just how the culture kind of policed itself. Like there's certain things that just couldn't survive. And so like using that, when you started to transition, even into the sport, I mean, we'll get a little bit into it, but we start transitioning, working into more of the direct, like football operations aspect, dealing with the head coach and like whether it's recruiting and looking at different players. Did you kind of sense yourself using that group of guys when you got there to Penn State as a freshman to, as a as a measuring stick for like the teams and that you were putting together yeah. or the staff I mean, that you were working for? I guess from a personal standpoint, it was all about consistency and, and having a standard, believing in you just being consistent in, in showing up every day and putting your best efforts forward and not changing up. Like, don't change who you are for anybody else. Um, just trying to do the right thing and putting all your efforts into into whatever your, your head coach wants or whatever the team needs. Um, and it was always about staying consistent and keep being that same person who's trustworthy, reliable, and who's going to give it, give it his all every day and like never changing up and like being, having the entire staff know who that person is, like, you know, you can count on them. So like, that's, I'm still that guy every day. Like it's simple. Like that's the thing at Penn state. Like there's only a couple rules that you had to follow, but you could never break those parameters. And that's, that's what it was. That's what I've learned looking back now. Um, don't change up. Don't try to be anybody else. Um, you just be who you are and, and do the certain couple things and success will catch up to you. That That's a great point, man. Because like even when I transitioned out of the NFL, <clears throat> you know, hit a downslope, whether it's trying to get into sport. And, you know, everyone goes to like the depressive state when they're leaving the sport to try to figure out what's next. And when it got back to the bare bones of everything, it was like, all right, what would I have done at Penn State? All right. 10 minutes early here, I got to do this. And there was like a stepping stone and blocks of putting it back together. And it wasn't until that moment where I realized all the different things in that culture and what it was. Cause you're right. People would think we had, I mean, we had, it seemed like when we were there, we had a lot of rules or it was like, like whatever that may, whatever the rules were, but it was only like four or five, like, like 10 minutes early, go to breakfast. And then you started realizing like how, you know, different disciplinary actions were dealt with and like guys had a chance to learn whether even if you got kicked out or whatever that may be there was like a, a level of respect still in place like those guys guys had a chance to grow into men like general like legitimately and like grow into themselves whether you see like everybody that kind of came from Penn State having like a thread line that we, there's some similarities but very different individuals like across yeah. the board and we always talk about it too like our alums like who played there I mean they're they're different cats like Penn State like everyone's pretty different but there's like a common bond of similar personalities like there's some common traits that are there and I think it's like I don't know it's just like being a man like being super uh, like committed to I don't know like 
thriving in life. I think that I think that's what it corny, but it's like attacking attacking life. I think that's exactly what it is. It. I mean, because like I mean, even Andy, shout out to Andy Frank, but like he used to talk about, used to break down players and say the 50-50 guys versus 70-80 guys, whether it's like guys that want the yeah. full 50 football, 50 real life, and just can, like what type of player are you bringing into the locker room? And I was just like, yo, I mean, everybody that came to Penn State wanted to be like the best overall version of themselves. And if yes. they didn't, it wasn't cool to not do it amongst the culture. Like it wasn't like a place where it was cool to have bad grades or like if you're getting called out to like right. miss class, it wasn't like a yeah. culture that was like, man, he's tripping. Like you do like, nah, I was like, you ain't going to class dog. Like what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you had to be the total package. I think that learned you to be well-rounded. I think that's the common traits of a Penn state player. You had to have it all like on and off the field, just be a complete person. No, that's true. And I think that carries with the brand from guys that leave, whether it's talking to my personnel friends and like, it's, it's like, it's interesting when you talk to uh personnel people or, you know, professionals that work in the NFL and they have their mentality of what a player from this school operates like, whether it's Ohio state, Michigan, Alabama, talking to him about an Alabama kid, like, yo, you talk to a kid from Alabama, he's going to be NFL ready. I remember we drafted this kid, Marquise Johnson, at uh, in St. Louis, shout out Marquise, but um, he came in, he was like a seventh round pick. And, you know, like coming from Penn State, we had we had a lot of talent, but like our defenses weren't super exotic. We just had a lot of, we just had a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Going through the process, just through the process, Tom with rushing, drop, you know, single high safety. So getting into the league, there was a little bit of a learning curve of me learning the different defenses. I understood the X's and O's, but just the operating and playing in the middle, playing nickel, all the different multiple coverages. That's what I think Manny Diaz and those guys do such a great job or just Penn state in general. Now it's just like the multiple looks you see the DBs going first round with Joey Porter. And he's, I mean, he's going to go first round, but like just the different style of play on defense. But I remember getting to the NFL, I was getting this uh, kid. I mean, when I tell you, he was like so sharp from like the X and O standpoint walking in, I was like, what are y'all t- what are they teaching y'all down there? Like, what are y'all like, what are y'all going over? Yeah. It's like because they were putting in like new concepts where guys that have been there for you know three, four, five years, they were like trying to learn it. And he was like, Oh, we did this against uh in the playoffs. You we did this. And I'm like, Oh, y'all did? Like it's like, you know what I mean? So but just yeah. saying like everyone has like a different like even the NFL, like when they're going through that talent acquisition process, they have their own biases of what a player is going to be like coming from whatever school. And sometimes it works against you because it was worked against me a little bit at playing corner because at that time we didn't produce many top end corners, like just for whatever. I mean, we just didn't. And we like side shuffled. And so I got a lot of heat of that going through the process. Like, yo, you guys, why'd you go there? Like, why didn't you go there? I'm like, with hence lockdown, you, I came back with vengeance. Like, oh, we're going to get this corrected. So I know we did. <laughs> so, but that being said, when you get done with football and all that good stuff, like when did you know you wanted to work in football? Yeah, so originally, like I had a job at uh, in logistics, Toys R Us headquarters back before they went out of business. I saw the writing on the I wall. I didn't know that. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was in. I was living in Hoboken, New Jersey, and then working in Wayne. We had massive campus. It was it was a beautiful place. Toys R Us. Um, that was a big. That was a big company. Huge company. Oh yeah, it was, that was the that was the toy spot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm like six weeks into it. I'm in a I'm in a cube with a couple other people. I'm just like, this this isn't for me. Like I had the itch like six weeks into it. Honestly, um, I knew I needed to get back into the game. I wanted to coach originally. 
Um, so you know how it's so once you're out, it's so hard to get back in um, into the game. So ended up taking me two years to get back in. Uh, I was at Toys R Us for a year. I moved back to Philly, um, worked at Mastery Charter North for uh, the head coach who was my position coach in high school. So I worked. I worked at practice from 3 to 5, 3 to 6 p.m. I worked the night shift uh, for a transportation company. Uh, worked like 9 to 7 p.m., p.m. to a.m. Slept during the day, woke up, and uh, coached. I did that for a season. Oh, wow. Just so I could get my foot back in the door. Yeah. Oh, snap. So, that, guys, listening, when you got to yeah. jump into foot, that, that's a great – I love that you said that. That's what you had to do to get back in because sometimes – I mean, I think players should make an easier transition and there's some maturation or some molding that needs to happen before you jump into it because there's, there's a transition from a player to an operations uh, director or even working in personnel. It's just, or even even a coach, to be completely honest, because I don't think people realize like a coach is an executive. Like you have a lot of office administrative so work. It's, like, it's a lot oh of stuff. But to take that step to get into football is always like a step backwards a little bit because... Oh, no I came doubt. from corporate America, man. I'm not going to say I took a nice, heavy, hefty, hefty pay cut to get back into football. But it it, it kind of ciphers off the different people that want to do it for fun or that can do it. And that's another thing. Like if you can do it, because those first years of doing it, it is hard. You hear a lot of stories about guys sleeping on cots in the building just to get an opportunity. Like it's probably more competitive than getting a scholarship offer. Yeah, the sacrifice. So, like, that was my first sacrifice, um, moving back to Philly. Um, and then I stopped doing that. That just was really tough. That wasn't sustainable doing that night shift. So I got a job um, during the day, stopped coaching. And that whole time I'm trying to get back into it, I get an opportunity to make $10,000 a year. I was making way more than that coming out of college. But now I'm 23, get an opportunity at Princeton to make $10,000 a year to be like the assistant ops guy, live at home with my parents, move back in, which I was I'm fortunate enough that I was able to do that and then commute an hour each way every day. So I did that for two and a half years. I got a, you know, coach the race, gave me another $5,000 raise. So I'm making 15 a K, 15 K at 25. At Princeton, where you got um, work around future millionaires. At Princeton. <laughs> oh, exactly. It was great. But like that whole time, I'm working camps during the summer. I'm reaching out to Penn State, trying to get back in, develop relationships with, with those guys. So, you know, my thing was, if I'm going to try to do this for a career professionally, you got to give everything you've got. you got to sacrifice everything you, you have. And that's what I did. And, you know, it was the same mindset as being a walk-on. You just continue to fight, grind, and keep going and, and staying consistent and giving everything you got and stuff sometimes you know takes care of itself thank you for tuning in to this episode of blue chip academy to help navigate the recruiting waters lig sports group put together a blue chip recruiting checklist download your checklist at ligsports.com blue chip academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process hit subscribe and check out the lig sports group football ops recruiting youtube channel where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem if you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at ligsports.com backslash blue chip academy. 
Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.